Welcome back to the story they tell. Today we are discussing the boys and how adaptations can sometimes be better than the source material, and how in some ways they can also be worse. We'll also be discussing why one-to-one adaptations of comic books may not be the best solution when it comes to adaptating. And we'll also be talking about how adaptation gives an author a second chance to reinvent their own story. All this and more coming up soon. Hello, my name is David Shire, and welcome back to the story they tell. This week, uh, <laughs> this week has been a little bit more uh, more challenging for me in a lot of different ways because of the fact that uh, it is the peak of allergy season, and this is uh, this this is hurting me. This is it, it's really hitting me quite hard. Uh, my eyes have never been more itchy in my entire life. My throat has been has been sealing off. I've been worried about like this podcast and about like getting my voice uh, to sound good on this podcast, specifically this episode right here. Um, I was listening to another podcast uh, called The Newest Olympian. Shout out to Mike Schubert. And he talks about um, how he will brush his teeth before starting recording a podcast, because apparently, supposedly, it opens up your pores a little bit more, or not pores, that that's that's a sweating thing, David, but I'm talking about like it opens up your throat a little bit more before you record. So I actually did that uh, before hopping on this podcast. Uh, I threw in a couple of uh, nose, nose nostril uh, <laughs> medicine through my nose. I hope that I'm sounding okay. Uh, uh, but if not, we're just going to keep recording, keep doing the podcast because I need to get these out every Wednesday, no matter what. I, I, I it's a, it's a desire and a goal that I have uh, currently. I've been keeping up with it, and I'm not going to stop now, baby. Uh, not even a trip to Montana stopped me. So, anyway. Uh, This week uh, on the podcast, what we're really going to talk about is we're going to be talking about comic book adaptations and why why you do need to change some things about a comic book adaptation in order to make your story a little bit better when translating it from, uh, specifically in this case, from comic book to the silver TV screen. this podcast really came about because I was uh, talking to a, or not talking to, I mean, I mean, I wish I was talking to this person because it would be super cool to collaborate with them. But uh, I was watching a video by a YouTuber named Daniel Green who brought up uh, some really good points about the Invincible comic uh, being worse than the TV show adaptation. Uh, and so I thought that some of the points that he made about the Invincible comic were fair in terms of, of just like the overall story structure. And then I thought some of it kind of needed a little bit more deeper discussion because I thought it was a little bit unfair when you consider the uh, when you consider the source material uh, compared to its TD, TV adaptation. But before going into talking about Invincible specifically, I think that as far as like comic books and as far as adaptations go, I think that Amazon also has another show that they did a really good job with uh, in talking and talking about The Boys. Like The Boys TV show to me is hands it away one of the best adaptations I have seen of any sort of media. Man, I'm kind of used to bad adaptations, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, there's a lot of YA series that I've watched over the years that have really bad adaptations or they don't really capture the core of what makes the show good. And there's also, uh, you know, like I'm a very big Percy Jackson fan. I talked about it last week's episode. Uh, those those movies aren't very good, are they? <laughs> like, they really seem to miss the mark. And what I find interesting about The Boys is that it takes it takes a look at the source material and it sees the good and the potential in the source material that is presented there. And it just takes out that part of, of the comic and it somehow makes 
a much better and much different show. And I'll kind of I'll kind of explain uh, when and going a little bit further in detail. So um, the for me the biggest problem with the boys comic um, just in general is is that it's just way too graphic. And there's no real justifiable reason as to why it is graphic. Uh, Garth Ennis, he wrote the book back in 2006, and Garth Ennis himself is not a very huge superhero fan. And it really does reflect in the comic, uh, especially in like the way that it handles its heroes and the fact that it handles the heroes and treats the heroes in the comic books as complete idiots and not really real characters. They're more of caricatures, if you will. Um, and I feel I feel like it does the comic a major disservice. Uh, like Garth, he really, he really just like doesn't understand superheroes. And I feel like to properly satire a genre, which is what the boys comic book is trying to do, is to satire the genre of the superhero genre. You have to really love and appreciate that genre, its tropes, and in that way you can really play with them. If you compare the uh, the boys comic actually to the Invincible comic, uh, the comic Invincible, like the Invincible comic, is also meant to be a superhero kind of parody uh, slash uh, satire of the superhero genre, and. You, you take a scene like Mark discovering his powers for the first time in the comic. When he does that, he, he, he ends up telling his parents that he has superpowers for the first time. And nobody cares because in this world, superpowers are just not that big of a deal. You know, like it's, it seems like every third house on the left has a kid with superpowers. And the response that he gets from his mother is, oh, that's nice, sweetie. Can you please, you know, pass, can you pass the potatoes over? Right. And it's. It's that kind of parody that I think works a little bit better in the Invincible comic, um, and and things that happen in that comic have lasting consequences uh, throughout the entire series. Like like comic books are kind of weird in the sense that uh, there are, I think as a medium, it's it's really cool and really amazing that you can combine the the wordplay that you find in books, like, you know, combine character thoughts and like you're really diving deep into specific characters. You can combine that with kind of the more traditional like movie, like showing scenes of a panel of action and stuff like that. I think it's really cool that you can combine both of those things. But comics have a tendency to kind of go a little bit too far in some instances or just like run for way too long. I mean, if you look at like the DC universe, as a whole, it's a universe that's been rebooted and readapted so many times. Uh, I think the newest one was Rebirth that happened a couple years ago. And then before that, like maybe five years, like maybe, how long was it? Like five years before that, there's the new 52, which is supposed to be like a brand new introduction of all these superheroes. And so there, it becomes like an issue, right? Where comics go on for way too long and like world ending events happen in a comic and nobody, like all the common citizens don't really seem to care. And what Invincible did, which I thought was really interesting, is that when a world shattering event happens in Invincible, you feel it. Like you really, really feel it. And the fact that there's one, uh, a little bit spoilers for Invincible, but there's there is one event where like a city is completely destroyed and everybody, I mean, everybody that you have met up until that point is helping rebuild the city. Even characters that are considered evil by the comic book, even you see panels of them saving citizens and helping out and trying their best uh, to to clear out the debris and rubble because this event that took place really affected the entire world. And it's interesting how that event gets brought up again, which is super subversive for the superhero comic. Uh, the boys, on the other hand, uh, has rats going up people's bums, and it is just 
graphically, graphically violent. I remember reading the first volume and not picking up and just being like, okay, I'm just going to, after reading the first volume, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to read a plot synopsis of the rest of the boys' uh, comic books. I'm curious where the story is different in a lot of different ways, but there, but it just, it was just way too much. It was, it was not very elegant in the way that it handled a lot of these different events. I guess to better illustrate the difference between the comic and the TV show is there's a certain scene in the comic and the TV show that happened. So light spoilers for, uh, for the boys, but there's a scene where Homelander inadvertently causes a plane to crash. And so in the comic book, the plane crash is really top to bottom, a complete horror show. Homelander and the seven go in to save a plane. And the first thing that Homelander does is he decides to open the side of the plane uh, door and he opens the door and a kid goes flying out, which is kind of horrifying. And then they proceed to take out the terrorists. But the passengers are starting to yell at Homelander saying like, please save us, please. And Homelander ends up yelling at them and causing the entire plane's eardrums, who aren't who aren't metahumans, their eardrums burst, and which is causing more damage. And then after kind of determining that there's really nothing that uh, the seven could do, he ends up leaving. He uh, has he, uh, he ends up leaving. Uh, he ends up flying one of the sevens, uh, uh, the speedster at the time. I think his name was Momentum. He ends up flying out, and then they accidentally fly through the uh, engine, and then Momentum's head gets decapitated. It's just overall, it's a complete. An utter disaster, right? But there's a lot of incompetency in in that version of of events because if you compare that to the TV show, uh, the TV show first off it completely ignores like the rest of the seven. It's only Homelander and Homelander's second in command, Queen Maeve, who's basically like a Wonder Woman uh, knockoff, right? And Homelander himself, I should bring up, is like an evil Superman. So, so Homelander and Maeve, they are success. They are they go into the plane. They're able to successfully enter the plane, and the way that the show presents it is is it's very reminiscent of like. Superman, right? It's very reminiscent of kind of the Superman plane scene in um, Unfortunate, uh, I have to bring this up, uh, Brian Singer, uh, who's been in a lot of controversies uh, over the years, you should read about uh, off this podcast, if Bo, content warning on that. But it represents it. The whole scene kind of plays out kind of like that scene in the in the Superman movies, right? Right, Where Superman comes in, he saves the plane and everything's hunky dory. You know, Homelander may have come in. You know, they're they're like signing autographs. They're telling kids, ah, don't worry, you can be a hero, too. And then they kill the terrorist. But Homelander, when he's lasering a man to death, uh, accidentally kills uh, one of the pilots. And so in that moment, the moment that Homelander accidentally kills one of the pilots, he just just like, well, OK, I guess it's time to go. And Maeve is super pissed about this. She is saying like, no, you can't you can't do this. Like what you there's some there's got to be something you could do. And Homelander's like, eh, like I can't really I can't really do anything. There's no ground. Like, what do you expect me to do? Catch a plane in the air, which is also kind of it's very dark. But it is kind of funny that they are referencing uh, that scene in Brian Singer's Superman, where Superman does, in fact, catch a plane. And then he like brings it to a baseball field because rah, rah, America, <laughs> you know, like, you know, but anyway, so that. So essentially, essentially, you know, uh, Maeve wants to save some of the some of the children or one of the kids. Like, even if she could save one child, I think she'd be feel a little bit better. But Homelander's like, no, we can't we can't save anybody because what are they going to do? They're going to eventually tattle on us to the government and it's going to be a bad sign. And so then the passengers start complaining. And then Homelander basically says, and it's a very hard scene to watch, but he basically tells them that, look, 
All of you sit back down, otherwise I'm going to laser you all to death. And then him and Queen Maeve just end up leaving. And the worst part about the entire thing is that once the plane is on the ground and is completely crashed, Homelander has an interview with with a news team, and he ends up pushing his own agenda. He says that this would have never happened if superheroes were allowed to be in the military. And to me, that is one of the most cold and calculating things I've ever seen an evil Superman character do. And it is it is a very tough watch, but you can feel the difference right away. Whereas Garth Ennis was so much more interested in presenting heroes as idiots and as buffoons, whereas the show of the boys was more interested in presenting Homelander as a cold and calculating threat that is at times very childish because of his upbringing, but is still one of the most dangerous villains I think I've ever seen in the history of television. And also, I mean, just uh, just everything about about that performance is so good. Uh, let's see. I want. I probably should have wrote Anthony. Anthony Starr. Uh, the way that he is able to show ha- Homelander's emotions and show kind of his more childish side and more goofy side when he's like joking around and being like total toxic masculinity incarnate uh, versus him just being like absolutely terrifying and just really showing off his power. It's it's a beautiful thing, and I think it's it's something that the show greatly approved upon in. the than the comics. And there's like a lot of other little things too. Like the comics I think was way too way too early gave like the boys special abilities with uh with the compound V uh V storyline. I think that the way they're handling it right now in season three where compound V is temporary, it's only lasts for twenty four hours and it's like an active choice by Huey and Butcher to take this, I think is really interesting. Uh I feel I feel like uh I feel like that the Again, like there's just a lot more subtlety in the violence. Like if something graphic happens in the boys TV show, I can at least say there's a point to it. You know, like there's not like when uh, what's another good example of this? Like when when somebody explodes or like, for example, when when Huey kills Translucent and there's just like a bunch of blood and guts everywhere. You know, it's kind of it's weirdly cathartic in a lot of ways because like they spend an entire episode trying to figure out how to kill uh, a superhero whose skin is completely endurable. They find a very interesting solution and then the payoff is so bloody and gory, but it's like kind of fun in a weird way. You know, like that's what the show does a little bit better. It handles its its violence with a little bit more nuance and even though it is still one of the most graphic TV shows I've ever seen. There's still a lot, it, it presents it in a more fun way versus being graphic for graphic's sake. And I don't really know how it pulls that off, uh, but it, it's just, it's very fun. And I would highly recommend watching the boys uh, TV show over the comic book. Unless, of course, like graphic violence is not your thing at all, then don't watch any of this. But uh, you have been warned, but it is. It, it's interesting. It is very interesting to me how how both these things can be so similar, but like are how like something how something that is so how these two comic books are not comic books how these two pieces of art can share the same the same name and have the same characters, but just be completely different spins on the same idea and how one succeeds more than the other. I think what makes the boys adaptation even more interesting to me is that there is a real whenever you're translating a comic from a 
from a comic to a TV show or to a movie, there is a real temptation to just do a one-for-one shot remake. And as kind of previously discussed, I think that would have been a lot worse in the case of The Boys. But I also think it's an interesting case when we talk about the story of Invincible and talk about like how the comic book medium is different from television, even though they do face a little bit of similarity overall. Uh, the way that comic books are written is interesting in the sense that, like TV shows, they are written kind of episodically. Uh, the difference being is that when a comic book comes out with an issue, I would say that the uh, the issue of the comic is basically kind of like an episode, except it's only like a part of the episode, right? It's not, it's like maybe a, a scene, maybe two, maybe three. It's not really a full like 30 minute experience that you would have with a TV show. And and for that reason, uh, the way that comic books are written is that um, they're written either monthly or in the case of Shonen Jump, uh, they're written weekly, in which case I'm praying for you, any Shonen Jump uh, writers that might be listening to this. Obviously, you're probably not, but <laughs> but I am praying for you and you are my thoughts in my mind. Uh, but you see that there, it does have this episodic quality and it does have this quality of of, you know, kind of raising the stakes in between issues and kind of has this like weird like roller coaster pace uh, writing, which in some cases is really fun. But in some cases, there can be like reveals that are not really like that big of reveals, but it, like it has to be a reveal because otherwise you're not going to stick around for the next next issue or the next month until the next issue is written. And so and so for that reason, I think that whenever you're adapting a comic book into a live action or even even an animated movie, uh, that you should you should add elements to the movie to make it more interesting and to make it its own and to make it a little bit more coherent as a film. Uh, Daniel Green, uh, as I mentioned, a YouTuber that I love, uh, talked about this in the Invincible adaptation and talked about it, how he was reading the comic book of Invincible and how he felt that how he felt that the the adaptation was a cleaner a cleaner second draft of a story that he liked and how he would read the comic book and he felt that it was just the worst a worse adaptation and how how he actually ended up he's probably not even going to read the rest of the comic until he finishes the adaptation because he doesn't want to get spoiled for things that are going to happen in the adaptation i thought that was so so interesting because in a way Daniel is completely right. I mean, this is Robert Kirkman. Uh, this is Robert Kirkman's work, uh, and he he is the creator of the comic, and he has a major role in the Amazon Prime TV show uh, as a major creative. And so, in a way, this is his his chance at taking his own property and rewriting things that he felt. Uh, maybe didn't work so much back in the early 2000s. And oh, man, if only he was able to do this with another one of his creations, I think that he would have a really, he would have two really great TV shows, you know. Uh, but honestly, it's 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 really fascinating because I think that I, I, I am a big reader of the comics. I have all the Invincible comics uh, sitting in my bookshelf currently, and I, I love it. I think that he that Robert Kirkman has created one of the best comic universes of all time. I think he's created one of the best uh, comic book stories of all time. But even still, like he, there are some issues with the comic book and its pacing. Uh, it is very clear that uh, when Robert was writing uh, his first draft, if you will, that there are certain plot lines that he wasn't quite sure how he was going to resolve, but then he wrote in later uh, to create this, uh, to create a more interesting story. And I think that I think that the fact that he's coming back to his own creation and readapting it and being self-aware enough to know 
that there are things that he needs needed to change about the show about his his story that was proven to be good that was proven to be really well critically received the fact that he had the self-awareness to take that that foundation and be like yeah like this is a pretty great story and i know it's pretty great i know people love it but there are things that need to change about it i think that's that's a real testament to who robert kirkman is as a storyteller and it's very rare for an author to acknowledge that their famous work has flaws in it uh, insert uh, J.K. Rowling joke here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I've always so mean to Harry Potter fans, but honestly, if anything, this teaches me that I think that one of these days we are going to need a, a Harry, Bot- uh, Harry Potter reboot, and it could be potentially better. Uh, controversial hot take right there. I'm just going to let that simmer for you, and uh, you, you you do with it what you will. Leave a hate comment <laughs> in, my, in my podcast feed. I don't care. I just want interaction, baby. All right. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I think that I think that when it comes to comic book adaptation to to live action i think that i think that there needs to be a lot of care and a lot of thought put into it right all in all like i think adaptation is a very tricky and interesting thing like we've seen lots and lots of examples over the years of a property being at a uh being adapted poorly because they don't they don't understand what the core concept of what it is that made the the um the story popular in the first place i I think about uh i watched artemis fowl recently not recently like that movie came out a year ago that's crazy to think about uh uh, artemis fowl was uh um, was a film i guess i guess that's what you'd call it it was it was it was 90 minutes of filmed action sequences put together and called a film that's what i would call artemis fowl and in that in that monotone way, that's all I would call it because it it completely misses the source materials mark, right? But we see bad adaptations all the time. But I think what makes what makes a good adaptation is understanding the core principles, understanding the characters, and taking the time to adapt and update the story as you see fit. And so, yeah. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say about adaptations. Um, other things I've been cr- uh, I've been working on is I've been working on this podcast. Uh, I've been trying to work on getting like a better scripts and stuff written about this. Uh, this week and just like this entire day, I've been feeling so out of it. I don't know if you can tell or not, but it's it's you know it's I'm trying to create a work life balance while also absorbing a bunch of media, and so sometimes sometimes it does still get to me. But uh, overall, I think I think the whole rebranding of this podcast has been going up pretty well. There's still like a couple things I need to do, do like change the uh, website URL and stuff like that, but I'll get to it eventually. Um, if you like the podcast, uh, the best way that you could support the podcast is by following uh, me uh, at the story so far, uh, or sorry, the story they tell <laughs> mixing up brands again uh, at the story they tell on Instagram. Uh, there have been posting a lot of reels. Uh, I was doing one, a reel per day, but then I kind of got burned out. And so uh, now I'm trying to be a little bit more selective about what reels I'm going to post. But anyway, some good stuff uh, coming out uh, on there. Also, it's just a great way to interact with me. Uh, tell me if you like the podcast. Tell me if you have any ideas for any things that you want me to cover. If there's any TV shows or movies that you want me to compare. If there's uh, some an adaptation that you specifically want me to talk about as why it didn't work. Uh, there's definitely just so many different topics we can go on this podcast. And uh, I would love to hear your ideas. Uh, otherwise, this has been uh, David Shire. And tell your story.